Hi, my name's Tori and I wish I knew more about blood products. Hi, my name's Letitia. I wish I knew more about taking care of myself when starting shift work. Hi, my name is Lydia. I wish I would know more about how to work as in a team and solve conflict. Hello, welcome to Five Things, the nursing podcast from the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. My name is Liz Crow. I'm Jesse Spur, and this is a podcast by, for, and with the amazing nurses and health professionals in our corner of the world. We hope to connect with a global community as we move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Five Things. Hello, my name is Liz Crow. And I'm Jesse Spur. Welcome to another episode of Five Things. And today we're going to talk to Christy Moore, who's a senior audiologist here at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. And we're going to learn five things around hearing loss. Welcome, Christy. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. I I don't know if I've even met an audiologist before. So oh, really? Yeah. So that I'm, I'm going to disclose. You've my, been living under a rock. <laughs> well, no, my, my my hearing and my family's hearing has been pretty good. So, oh, um, that's lucky. Yeah, very fortunate. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fully disclose my ignorance, and we'd like to kind of find out two things: one about kind of how you got into uh, your health professional journey, but also about like what is an audiologist and sort of how do you get to being one. Mm-hmm. Well, my journey started. I was a speech pathologist for five years. And I did one of my placements with Hear and Say. So some of you might be aware Hear and Say is cochlear implants for children with profound hearing loss. And I was very interested in what the audiologist did. So I went back um, and audiology is a master's degree. So we've all had a bachelor. So um, two years of master's and went out and was an audiologist. So an audiologist primarily is identifying hearing loss range of degrees of hearing loss and helping manage or treat that hearing loss. Hmm. Oh, interesting, because I didn't know that as well. So how long have you been a healthcare professional now? Uh, in total, uh, ooh, 24 years Yeah, in okay. allied health, yeah. Hmm. Terrific. All right, so lots of teaching for us today. Mm-hmm. Your number one point is, what is hearing loss? So hearing loss uh, is that inability or difficulty hearing speech sounds or any other environmental sounds. So that can range from mild difficulties up to quite significant, profound, where you're not hearing any at all. Okay, Christy, I've got to ask you, what role does wax play in people having hearing or not having hearing? Because you hear all sorts of things. You can go to the markets and get wax pulled out of you with a candle or something. Like what role does all of, like what what, what is the reality of this? What's the science? The wax is actually good. So we want some wax in our ears because it has a purpose. It traps foreign bodies, um, microorganisms that we don't want in our ears. Um, our ear canal actually sheds its skin and the wax comes out with um, that. So it's really a beneficial process. The problem is when people have hearing aids, um, AirPods, earbuds, it stops that natural shedding process. And that's where we can get a buildup of wax in the ear. And if you get a real fullness or block sensation in the ear, it can affect your hearing. So that would be considered a conductive hearing loss because the sound is not being conducted through the ear. Um, yeah, so it can be a problem for some people, but we want some wax. We don't want to get an earbud in there. Um, 
it's kind of like what they say about icebergs. You might get one, one eighth out, but there's seven eighths that you're just pushing down the ear canal and you'll end up with um, more issues like ear infections and uh, perforating eardrums. My mother always said nothing's smaller than an elbow in your ear. Is that still the rule? Very much so. (laughs) Yes. It's a hard habit to break for some people, but it causes lots of issues. But is the take-home message that on the whole, wax is not a big factor in hearing loss or hearing? No, not generally. Um, Sometimes if your patient is saying that their ears are blocked, um, it can be if they've been lying down in bed, if they've got hearing aids, that sort of thing, it can slow down that process of the natural shedding. So they can get a buildup of wax. So if you can get yourself or doctor, anyone to have a look in the ears and see, um, if you can't see the eardrum, then you might have a blockage there. So you can use some wax oil or even request an ENT to, to remove that wax. And the patient should know straight away whether it's uh, a change to their hearing. Hmm. Is it possible for you to, for those of us who know nothing, uh, to describe briefly about the anatomy of the ear and how that relates to hearing loss, please? Yeah, sure. So when we talk about the ear, we talk about it in three parts. You've got the outer ear, which is uh, what we call the pinna, which captures the sound. And then you've got the ear canal. Uh, the middle ear is next, where you've got the eardrum, which is attached to three tiny bones, or the smallest in our body, called the ossicles. And then uh, that's an air space, but that can be filled up with fluid. And that's when we get that another blocked feeling in our ears from an ear infection. And, and then the inner ear has got the cochlea, which is the hearing organ and the balance organ. So what tends to happen is the sound is captured and it goes down the ear canal. Um, the sound waves move the eardrum, which then changes into like a mechanical energy from an acoustic energy. Uh, that moves those little bones, which then pushes into the the window that's connected to the cochlea and changes that into like sound waves in the fluid, which then moves the hair cells, which activates the hearing nerve. So yeah, it's very interesting. So a hearing loss can affect any one of those parts. We've actually got three types of hearing loss. We've got a conductive hearing loss, sensory neural and mixed type of hearing loss. So a conductive hearing loss is when you have a problem with the outer ear or the middle ear. So with kids, it's common to have ear infections and that's usually transient. So they might have a hearing loss for a few months. Um, When it's longer than three months, we really want to get in and see an ENT there because it can affect their learning. Uh, Sensory neural hearing loss is when it affects the cochlea or the inner ear. And if you get damaged there, with noise, dancing, nightclubs. No. Uh, yes. That's more permanent. There's yeah. no coming back from a sensory neural loss. Yeah. And a mixed loss is when you've got, got both uh-huh. conductive and sensory neural affected. Perfect. I'm, I'm hearing you fine at the moment, so fingers crossed. That's good. <laughs> good to know. Put on some 90s R&B and see if it's still good. <laughs> see if I've still got the moves. Yeah. Well, uh, as long as you don't have any tinnitus. Sounds in your ears. So sometimes that can be a, a sign of damage from yeah. hearing, excessive noise. Yeah. So with hearing loss, do you have to, you know, like I think it's very common in the community where people are like, you need to get your hearing checked, mm-hmm. you know, when someone's children are ignoring you or your partner's ignoring you, you know, it's our go-to. But is there a certain, and 
sorry about my ignorance, but is there a, like a decibel level that once you fall below something, it's signified as a hearing loss or is it just when people genuinely are having difficulty hearing sounds? So in terms of managing or treating, it's usually a perceived difficulty hearing. Um, although as we get older, we do lose a bit of hearing and people adapt and don't realise that how much effort they're putting into their listening. So uh, when we test hearing, anything that's above 20 dB, we test different tones or frequencies, um, is considered a hearing loss. So there's a particular degree of hearing loss um, and it depends also on the pitches that you're having difficulty with where treatment would be beneficial. So someone with a mild hearing loss um, but is experiencing significant difficulties, might be listening in background noise for work and things like that, may still benefit from a hearing aid um, because that's helping take away that effort for listening and the cognitive process of trying to fill in the gaps of words and things like that. Okay. I'm, I'm interested what you've said because, you know, I'm sure there are many people out there who are like, oh, my father never listens or my partner never listens or my child never listens. How much of hearing is also involves your brain? You know, like how, how much can you be hearing something but not processing it? Mm, oh, that's a bit of a controversial area, actually, auditory Ooh. processing. Yeah. So it's um, something that is a specialist area within an audiology. Um, children can often be tested for auditory processing. So that ability to filter background noise, um, fill in the gaps, things like that um, can affect their learning. Uh, and then as we get older, there's deterioration, that cognitive process comes in and those pathways and that ability to filter background noise is another element that comes on top of all of our age-related hearing loss. And can I ask, in the 90s, I went to a lot of nightclubs with loud music. (laughs) I think about my hearing all the time. Is it inevitable that everybody as you age gets some level of hearing impairment or is it possible that, you know, you can get to 95 years of age and your hearing is still intact? It's possible, very unlikely. So all of us will have some degree of age-related hearing loss, which is called presbycusis. Uh, usually affects the high frequencies or the high pitch tones. And if you have some noise exposure, so whether through work, if you're a musician or lots of nightclubs, um, you will have a kind of a double whammy. So you'll have a greater deterioration over time um, and a greater hearing loss. So all of us to some degree will have something and it usually affects the high tones first. High tones first, okay. Yeah, and that's important for a lot of the clarity around our conversations because background noise tends to be a low pitch uh, sound and if you're missing a lot of the high frequency sounds of speech, then it's just making it more effortful for you to listen because you're going to be picking up all that rabble and noise really well. Yeah, okay, so interesting. All right. Number two, what is the impact of having a hearing loss as an inpatient? So having a lot of people don't actually um, identify that they've got a hearing loss in the first place. So it takes seven to 10 years for people to first notice they're having trouble um, before they do anything about it. So you'll have quite a few people already in the hospital with a hearing loss. Um, uh, So some will have hearing aids and some won't. Um, It's a very noisy environment, our hospital. So it's not an ideal listening situation. 
And especially when we've got multiple people in a ward, we've got very hard surfaces for, you know, infection risk control purposes, but it's a very poor listening environment. There's lots of reverberation of sound. You've got um, monitors going off. You've got multiple medical professionals in and out during treatment. So it becomes a very noisy environment. Um, Plus like people are going in, they're unwell, they're stressed, they're tired. The effort to advocate for themselves if they can't hear well um, is compromised. So it does make it quite difficult to hear. A lot of our older generation um, also get a bit embarrassed about having a hearing loss. So they won't always advocate again for themselves or ask for repeats to know what's going on. Yeah. Can you give us a little insight about how difficult it was during COVID for people with hearing loss? Um, Because I know we, we had a number of strategies even for staff when we put masks on, people obviously lost all those, you know, verbal cues of being able to see the mouth moving or, you know, what what do you think were the implications for our patients with hearing loss during COVID and mask wearing? Yeah, it was very difficult. We got a lot of people coming to us very upset um, about the inability to use that lip reading cues because it's such an important thing. Um, There was an understanding that you could remove your mask for that um, purpose, but a lot of people um, were afraid to do that. So patients were affected. So Christy, I'm a bedside nurse and a patient's asked me a couple of times to repeat myself. I've done that. How often do you think people then just say, yes, okay, even though they haven't understood. And what could be the consequences of that around consent or informed care for our patients? Oh, it's a big concern. Um, Again, these patients aren't well. So there's only so many times they're going to ask for help. Um, They get embarrassed. They don't want you to know that they've got a hearing loss. Um, What you can do to help in that circumstance is if you've repeated a few times, you can change the words that you say. Uh, that's usually quite helpful. It's always good to know what the prevalence is of a particular thing that we're talking about um, when we're talking about the impacts on inpatient care. And I'm, I'm guessing obviously we'd have the population prevalence, but we're going to probably even see a higher prevalence in hospital because of the age of our patients as mm-hmm. well. So what what is the um, population prevalence of hearing loss? Well, about one in six Aussies at the moment uh, have a hearing loss. And when we're talking about hospital inpatients, about 74% of our patients over 60 will have some degree of hearing loss. So, and that's huge numbers. 74% of people over the age of 60 years will have some form of hearing loss. Yeah, that's right. And with the numbers of our older population being in hospital, that's just a significant number that we've got here on site that needs some support for their communication. Yeah, well, that's that's huge. I'm just blown away by the statistic. I'm going to say it again. 74% of people over 60 years in our hospital inpatients have a hearing loss. What on earth does that mean for something like medication? Yeah, that's a big concern because there is some evidence out there that uh, medication compliance is at risk. There's more returns to hospital 
hospital because of the medication errors. Um, so it's quite alarming. And also informed consent procedures, we've had anecdotal evidence from our wards here where patients have consented to surgery and then asked another doctor or allied health professional what's happening. So it's uh, a big concern of ours and we're hopefully looking at a project here to improve that identification process. Yeah. This is a really important topic. Um, So number three is, can you describe different ways that staff can identify hearing loss in their patients? Because you've already mentioned people get very embarrassed. You know, how do do we pick up on this? And if it takes seven or 10 years for a patient to even recognise that that they've got a hearing deficit, you know, what, what sort of cues, what do we need to be doing? So uh, one thing that we've been looking at is some of the hospitals will have an intake assessment form with a communication section on it. So often it's to identify whether they've got an asset like a hearing aid or something like that to, to keep an eye on. Does They do often go missing. Um, so within that, that's a good way of asking if they don't have a hearing aid, do you have hearing difficulties? Or even in this room, do you, are you struggling to hear me? So that's the the first one is trying to identify it at the intake and making a note on the patient file. So there's some other little indicators if it hasn't been picked up straight away because, again, patients don't like um, saying there's more problems than what's going on and they do get embarrassed about having to ask for repeats. But you may notice if they're watching TV, the TV will be up quite loud. Mm-hmm. Um, they will talk with a very loud voice um, it's very hard to hear yourself when you have a hearing loss. So you tend to speak a lot louder. Um, they will say what, huh, quite often. They'll be maybe intently watching your mouth or your lips. And you, some of the older people will put their hand up and cup their ear. So that actually has been shown to increase high tone coming into the ear canal actually does help them. So if they're putting an ear towards you, um, that's another sign. So there's a so few things to look out for. That's so interesting. My dad's just started to lose his hearing and he he has hearing aids that are not going well. He's on his, you know, probably third lot of aids and he constantly cups his ear. And I was wondering, does that actually have any impact? But you're saying it, it actually can help. Yeah, it does. It helps pick up the high tones a bit, high pitches more. So that's what our pin is designed for, is capturing sound and directing it down the ear canal. And particularly the high frequencies benefit from that. Hmm. With identifying hearing loss, I guess, you know, we're constantly reinforcing on this podcast that, you know, the nurses at the bedside are our greatest resource. Uh, They often are doing this general assessment where all these things get covered. Often if there's a family member there or a close friend, is it good to kind of involve them as well? Because the patient might say, no, I don't have anything wrong with my hearing, but you know, often a wife pipes up and says, no, they can't hear anything. They've got the TV up loud. Is is this a, you know, like, is this an important part of the assessment too, do you think? It's something I use pretty much daily. Yeah. yeah. So I'll often ask the patient, but if, especially if the referral information notes hearing loss, I'll, I'll turn to their spouse and say, hey, have you noticed any difficulties hearing? And often they will say yes. So again, when hearing loss is gradual, especially with 
age-related hearing loss, presbycusis, it, people kind of adapt and they forget what they're not hearing. Well, they don't know. Um, so you might see people with blinkers left on in the car that often have missed that high frequency sound. They're not hearing that anymore. So people don't re- remember uh, or realise what they're missing sound-wise and they just keep working hard on filling in the gaps and communicating. Uh, leaving the indicator on, I've seen a number of elderly people do that. I assumed it was forgetfulness, but it might actually be their hearing. Yeah, so often you can hear that clicking in the car, but when you have a hearing loss, you can't hear that. So, and that's a reminder your cue. To turn off. Yeah, so interesting. All right, your number four is what can staff do to support a patient with a hearing loss? Yeah, so a, a big one is asking if the patient wants an assistive listening device. So. A lot of the hospitals will have a pocket talker or an assistive listening device, which is where the patient has a headphones and it's attached to a microphone. So the microphone is given to a doctor, nursing, even family members, can be left beside the TV um, to reduce the background noise for others. (laughs) And um, that helps improve communication because it amplifies the sound. Yeah. If... If a patient is really struggling with hearing loss as an inpatient, are they are the staff able to call an audiologist for a referral? Like do you do inpatient assessment or are you only outpatient? We're predominantly outpatient here at the Royal. Uh, if there's been a change to someone's hearing, we'll definitely see them as, as an inpatient. But if they're here for the hospital for another reason and they're just having general, general uh, trouble with their hearing and it's, there's been no change, then we usually it's a community service. So um, we can provide information to the nurses or the, or the patient. So um, that's mainly what we do at the hospital. Okay. And do you have, and sorry, I don't know the answer to this obviously, but do you have aids? Like if someone came in and they don't have a hearing aid or maybe because of their health, their hearing has rapidly deteriorated, like can can, do you loan devices? Is, is that something that occurs or that just doesn't exist? Uh, unfortunately, there's no uh, funding within hospitals for hearing aids. And so that's sought within the uh, community setting. So what we can loan is an assistive listening device, um, which is, again, just a basic amplifier of sound, which usually gets people through their stay. So other things people can use a good old pen and paper. Um, you can use apps like Nalscribe is a free app for iPhone um, and it converts uh, audio to written word. That's what, a really what's good the app. It's Nalscribe. So it was designed in Australia and it's really useful. We use it quite a lot with our cochlear implant patients. So we're giving a visual backup to the auditory information we're presenting. So the patient can download that or if, I don't know if the wards have a iPad, that's been really useful in our outpatient clinics. Yeah. Okay. And if someone's got a hearing loss, particularly if it's significant, does does it really help for people to to raise their voice and yell? Like, is that actually effective if people have got hearing loss? Or is it more important that we're articulating very clearly and looking at the person? Like, what, what are the best strategies? Yeah. So the best strategy, first of all, is to get the patient's attention. So you want to tap them on the shoulder or um, say their name so they can look straight at you. Make sure that there's good lighting so they can watch your face and your lips 
while you're talking. Um, you can raise your voice a moderate level, but shouting will distort the sound. So that's not going to be helpful. Um, clearly articulating, not too slowly, is also helpful. Um, gestures are great to back up the visual uh, information with the auditory. I liked what you said about just gently touching them. I, I actually, <laughs> when I was a new grad, I went uh, to approach someone and I was uh, in their per- just outside of the line of their peripheral um, vision because I approached from the side of the bed and I just gently put my hand on his shoulder and he threw a glass of water on me. Oh, really? Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't hear me coming and yeah. it shocked him so much. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's quite a profound loss, yeah. I would so say. That approach from the feet would <laughs> yeah. be my suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> from the front, yeah. 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 Okay, so there's some really useful tips. So your number five is talking to us really about the, num- you know, hearing aids and community supports. What's actually available for people with hearing loss? Yeah, so the main funding uh, for people is the government's hearing services program. So anyone over 21 years of age who has a pension concession card can access free services. So that includes a hearing test plus hearing aid, subsidised hearing aids. You can also what we call top up. So you can add a bit more money to get a higher level or higher value hearing aid. So hearing aids aren't cheap. Um, if you're not eligible and you have to purchase them privately, they're between 1000 to 6000 each. Each year? Each year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And they often say between five to seven years to upgrade the hearing aids with the kind of the technology that's coming out. So it's quite a big investment. Um, yeah. So, and there's also a few other people like under 26 is covered by the, the government. Aboriginal Torres Strait Islanders are over 50 and some disability employment get the free access to those services. And where, you know, it, it still astounds me because cochlear implants have been out for, what, 20, 30 years maybe. Um, and where's the technology going with hearing aids? Um, it's getting better and better. Most of the money that you're paying in a hearing aid is the technology. So a lot of it, the holy grail is being able to hear in background noise. That's the biggest thing. So a lot of the research is in the best technology to kind of filter uh, background noise and elevate speech and amongst that. So with cochlear implants, there's three main devices or manufacturers in Australia that we fit. Um, They're all equally amazing. And, um, they're also looking at some brainstem implants, so beyond the ear, um, where a cochlear implant wouldn't be beneficial. Um, there's quite a few different things. And also looking at a, a, an implant for dizziness of vestibular as well. So that's early days. Yeah, wow. Okay. Mm. And you've, in terms of community supports, um, are there still devices for phones, uh, you know, are there other things that can aid rather than just the hearing aid or the cochlear implant? Yeah, that's right. There's things like a TV streamer. So you can Bluetooth um, to a hearing aid from the TV or even just headphones if you don't have hearing aids. There's a lot of um, like bed shake alarms and other alerting devices for uh, smoke alarms. There's a number of different options there. Yeah. Right, so I'm going to attempt to summarise what you've just taught us. So n- your number one is what is hearing loss? And essentially it's an inability to hear speech 
or environmental sounds. And anything above 20 dB, which I'm guessing is decibels, means that you have a hearing loss. It's more frequent in people who have been exposed to high levels of noise, musicians, uh, you know, if you've worked in trades, et cetera, over a duration of time, but that lots of people as you age will experience some sense of hearing loss. You described the anatomy of the ear to us. Uh, I'm not going to go into that, but you said there are three types essentially of three types of hearing loss. The first one is conductive, which is usually in the middle or outer ear. The second is sensory neural, which affects the cochlear or the inner ear. And the third is mixed, where it's a combination of that conductive and the sensory neural. And that often with hearing loss, what happens is people lose a clarity of the sound and that lots of people, it takes seven to 10 years for them to actually realise they've got a hearing loss and do something about it, which is a real shame, I guess, because people are probably missing out or, or struggling for a long time and not aware of the cognitive load for them in trying to hear. Number two is what is the impact of having a hearing loss on our inpatients? And you gave us this lovely description about how noisy and how kind of dysfunctional the hospital environment is for those people with hearing loss. You know, because of our need for infection control, we have these bare walls, bare falls, but what it means for someone with hearing loss is all this background noise, which can be quite hard for them to filter out, that one in every six Australians has some uh, hearing loss and that 74% of all people over the age of 60 years of age will have a hearing loss. So this is a means that we've got this enormous population of people in our hospitals at the moment who have some who are experiencing some form of hearing loss and uh, why this is in so important when we think about medication, when we think about consent, uh, when we think about people's you know ability to, Uh, be involved in conversations that to do with their health, we need to keep this into consideration and to even think, you know, would it be better to take them into a quiet office to have that conversation rather than in a noisy four bed bay, et cetera. Right. Your number three is different ways that staff can identify hearing loss in their patient. And I think you gave us some really lovely practical tips here. First of all, that lots of people do an overall initial assessment. So be looking for cues around, do they already have a hearing aid to ask them what their hearing is like? But remembering that lots of people are embarrassed, lots of people haven't done anything about hearing loss. So look for their cues. Is the patient talking loudly? Do they have their phone on really high speaker? Are they listening to the TV or the the computer in a very loud way? Are they asking lots of, I beg your pardons, what, huh, didn't hear what you said, could you repeat that? Do they have a real intensity of focusing on your lips when you're speaking? Are they cupping their ear? Are they trying to face you, put your face as close to their ear? These are all cues that perhaps our patients are having hearing loss and we need to adapt either our speech or our environment to give them a hand around that. And if they have hearing aids, making sure that we constantly encourage them to put them in and use them. Your number four is what staff can do to support patients once we've identified that there is a hearing loss. Um, First of all, again, check in. Do they have a hearing uh, listening device that they can use while they're inpatients? 
um, being aware that the patients can have headphones and have a listening device and we can speak into a microphone, changing the environment. You said there's a, an app, is it Nellscriber? Yeah, Nellscribe. Yeah, there's Nellscribe that we yeah. can use that's free. Let's not forget pen and paper. If we're really struggling and people are literate, so that's the other thing, just check that they're literate, but actually you know, write it down. Make sure the patient is in a clear light so that they can, you know, use our lips as cues. Um, Raise your voice, but don't shout because that will then start to distort. We had a brief conversation about how detrimental and how difficult things have been during COVID with mask wearing for both patients and our staff who have hearing loss. And number five is you talk to us about hearing aids and community services told us that anyone with a government pension card in Australia is eligible for free service once they're over the age of 21, Um, that hearing aids are expensive. It can be between $1,000 and $6,000 per ear. Um, And it's really important that people, you know, do invest in these aids. Your hearing is very important in interaction and engagement in life. Um, and that there are a number of vulnerable populations that also are available in Australia for free healthcare. So to check that out. Um, the other thing that we can just do in terms of altering things is just to filter that, that the background noise is really a big part of that. Hospitals have lots of monitors. So whenever we're having important conversations with someone who has a hearing loss, make sure that we've done everything that we can to change the environment uh, to optimise their hearing. Perfect. All right. That makes that's that's encouraging. That was awesome. <laughs> Should have got you to do my time. <laughs> All right. I didn't know any of that beforehand. No, you've yeah. just taught us that, Christy. So that that's a really important, really important podcast for all of our listeners out there. Um, so Christy, thank you so much for coming and teaching us about audiology and hearing loss on five things. Oh, thank you for having me. Awesome, thanks. The Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital Five Things Nursing Podcast acknowledges the Turrbal and Yagara as the First Nations owners of the lands we now tread. We pay respect to their elders, laws, customs and creation spirits. We recognise that these lands have always been places of healing, teaching and learning. We also wish to acknowledge the First Nations people of the lands of our global community and encourage our listeners to seek out, listen, and learn from the knowledge held in your shared space. As well as all major podcast outlets, you can find us at fivethingsnursing.podbean.com. Please also subscribe and give us a rating on your listening platform of choice. This helps others find the podcast. And finally, if you'd like to connect with Liz or myself on Twitter, we can be found at Liz Crow 2 and for me it's inject underscore orange we would absolutely love to hear your thoughts ideas or feedback thanks for listening to five things 